0: Thankful to be here tonight, and I I, uh, I just hope that I can preach this sermon as good as my wife wrote it. I will tell you, I I do love preaching, but but I've always been terrified of getting up in front of people. I quit speech class in high school, and then and I know God has a sense of humor because later on He called me to preach, and I thought I can't do it. I can't get up in front of people, but for Him I can, and. um, that song the anchor holds i'm so thankful for that anchor god saved me out of a pit Have your bible opened to philemon as when pastor asked me to, to to preach tonight looking ahead to a new year i started to think about what this year has been like for me and it's been it's been a good year in many ways and it's been a really tough year in many ways and i know that uh Somebody needs to hear this message outside of myself, because I tell you, I've been I've been getting browbeat by the devil all week, and uh, my, my boys were in a car wreck last night, and, and uh, they're, they're okay. My truck is not, but I'm thankful that my boys are okay. Um, and then one thing that pastor said, he talked about the church we came from, we're thankful for where we came from, but we're more thankful for where we're at. Because I was thinking about this year and what I could preach on the night. Thought there's no better way to go into the new year than being right with God, That's right. and in order to be right with God, we have to be willing to forgive people that hurt us. Right. Uh, right. It, it's really hard to be right with God when you're bitter. Right. Yeah. It's it's uh, it's it's easy to hang on to hurts. This year has been an especially tough year with the pandemic and and uh, with the politics and. I found myself getting upset with what's going on in America and, and not relying enough on the Lord, and, and you, it, it can even cause conflict within families, and you can get upset. I know families that have stopped talking to each other over an election. Yeah, right. <clears throat> so we're going to look at the book of Philemon, and uh, I think the preacher said I have 20 minutes. I'll try, I, I may go one or two uh, hours over that. I'll try my best not to. We're going to skim over the whole chapter, but I'm going to focus on verses 10 through 16. If you're there, say amen. The Bible says, I beseech thee uh, for my son Onesimus, whom I have begotten in my bonds, which in time past was to thee unprofitable, but now profitable to thee and to me, whom I have sent again, thou therefore receive him, that is, mine own vows, uh, whom I would have retained with me, that in thy stead he might have ministered unto me in the bonds of the gospel, But without thy mind would I do nothing, that thy benefit should not be as it were of necessity, but willingly. For perhaps he therefore departed for a season that thou shouldest receive him forever, not now as a servant, but above a servant, a brother beloved, especially to me, but how much more unto thee, both in the flesh and in the Lord. And let's pray. Lord, thank you for this opportunity to be here tonight and to open your word. And in your book, we find the words of life. We find what we need. And Lord, I pray that tonight as as I speak just for a few minutes, I pray first of all that I'd move out of the way and and that you would speak through me, that you would give to your people the message that you want them to receive and help all of us to draw closer to you as a result. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Uh, The the, the one chapter epistle of, of, of Paul to Philemon is unique among his epistles in the sense that it's not addressed to a church or a pastor, but to a prominent layman in a church, and, and uh, he was living either in or near Colossus, and, and he was a friend and a convert of Paul's. Paul was writing on behalf of Onesimus, who had been a, a slave of Philemon's, but apparently had robbed his former master and, and run away to Rome. I find it unique that Paul was in prison in Rome, and, and yet he, that's where he won Onesimus to Christ, was probably in prison, and I would say that a thief was in prison for good reason. Uh, Paul was now taking this this, this convert and sending them back to the place that he had come from, the, back to the person that he had wronged, uh, but not as a runaway slave. He sending them back as a brother in, in Christ. Uh, do you suppose that, that Philemon may have been bitter towards Onesimus? I, I, I tell you, I just had a situation at work where somebody stole some product, and I had a meeting with all of our crew, and, and um, I said, I want to say this as kindly as I can. I can't stand a thief, <laughs> Right? I, I just don't, people stealing, it just, it, it rubs me the wrong way, and, and here Philemon's been stolen from, and, uh, and Paul's sending them back, and so I wonder if Philemon may have had a, a hard time forgiving Onesimus, and uh, I want to look at, at three different things here. First of all, I want to look at Paul's personal feelings towards Philemon. We won't read the verses, I'll just recap those, verses one through seven. Paul greets Philemon and prays for God's grace and peace in his life. He then gives a, a commendation and reveals how he feels about Philemon, he's Thankful to God for him. He says he prays for him always. And by the way, we should pray for each other. Uh, I love seeing our church prayer list come out. And, and when we were out with, with COVID, uh, when people said to us from this church that they were praying for us, we believed it. And we believe that's how God got us through that time without uh, having a more serious case. And we appreciate your prayers. He says he's encouraged by Philemon's love and faith toward Jesus and other Christians, and that his faith has an effect on others because of his testimony in Christ. That's a powerful testimony. Just does our faith have an effect on others? Uh, do, do, does, does our testimony in Christ encourage people? It says Christians are refreshed by him. And, and Paul is laying out how he personally feels here, and he's doing that because he wants Philemon to understand that he's about to be asked to do something very difficult. He, he's, uh, but, but he also believes that, that, that Philemon has the character to do this thing. And, and sometimes we are going to have people ask us to do things that are difficult. Um, we may not know their motivation for asking, but if you know the person genuinely loves you and cares about you, it helps you to see they're not trying to harm you, but they're trying to help you. And, and when, when, when we have somebody in our life that has hurt us and, that, and we're hanging on to bitterness, it really affects every part of our life. Bitter people don't grow. Bitter people damage churches. And, and, and quite honestly... Bitterness towards one person can damage every other relationship in your life. It causes division. Paul is trying to tell Philemon he he wants him to forgive Onesimus and receive him to avoid this bitterness from creeping in. And and Paul is saying, Philemon, I'm so thankful for you. I I pray for you often. And you have a powerful testimony that encourages all who hear of it. And then in verse 8, Paul sort of lays the law down. He says, even though I could tell you, with authority to do that which is proper and suitable. Because I love you, I'm going to make an earnest petition. I'm going I'm to ask you to do this thing. I could just tell you to do it, but instead I'm asking because I love you. He, he was again showing his affection for Philemon. He goes as, in, in, as far as to say in verse 11 that, that Onesimus is, is profitable to Philemon. How can a thief be profitable? And, and maybe, I, I believe all of us have somebody in our life that has hurt us, or a situation, or a group of people that we can look at, and, and maybe we're still hanging on to that thing. And we, we may look at that and think, how could that situation, how could that person ever be profitable to me? And maybe Philemon is thinking this about Onesimus. Paul is telling him, hey, he's saved now. And, and I think sometimes, you know, you think of, of Onesimus getting saved and coming back to Philemon. Sometimes it's hard for us as Christians to look at somebody that maybe we have prayed for to get saved, and then they get saved, we may question the authenticity of that. I know that was true in my life. Um, I, I was bogged down in drugs and alcohol, and uh, I was a street fighter, I was just a violent person, and I played church for a little while, and when I really got saved, it took uh, maybe five years for people to really <laughs> believe it. Um, I wonder if we do that to people. I wonder if we see people get saved or see people that have been away from the Lord come back to the Lord and instead of rejoicing with that person, we we question them. Especially if it's somebody that has hurt us previously. So how how can a thief be profitable? How can somebody who is dishonest be profitable? He he can be profitable because he's a brother in Christ. So verse number 16, uh, Paul calls him a brother beloved. And so... The question I have is, is there somebody in your life you need to forgive? And, and does somebody need to beg you to forgive that person the way that Paul is begging Philemon here? And uh, I'll say this, and I don't want to say this in a rude way, but, but I believe this is the truth, that if we're not willing to forgive, there's no way we can be right with God. That's right. If we're, If we're holding on to bitterness, there's no way we can be right with God. And here's another one, and I'm guilty of this. If we believe that we need to be the Holy Spirit in somebody else's life, I don't believe we're right with God. If people aren't growing the way that we think they should grow, sometimes we get upset with them, and we don't give the Holy Spirit space to work. We should really be thankful that people are trying to serve the Lord, and and we should appreciate the fact that all of us are in a different place in our walk with the Lord, and we should encourage each other and help each other along the way. We need to forgive because we have been forgiven, we've been forgiven for much, and uh, I'll make a statement here, I heard this one time and it, it was profound to me, When somebody's sin is under the blood, we have no right to hold it in our hands. If Jesus Christ has forgiven them for a thing, we we need to forgive them as well. And Paul is telling Philemon, he's saying, this is your brother. And not only that, but it should be an even sweeter relationship since all of the past things that he had done to you and to everybody else is under the blood now. He's saved. And then Paul made a promise to Philemon, and he says, Look, Philemon, if you consider me a brother, then, then receive Onesimus as you would receive me. If he has wronged you or owes you anything, I'll repay you myself. That shows how much Paul thought of Onesimus and Philemon. So this thing of forgiveness, this idea of forgiveness and, and really beyond that restoration in a broken relationship, it was, it was important to Paul. And he knew that it was important for Philemon and Onesimus to come back together because not only for the for the sake of their relationship but for the furtherance of the gospel. We really need to to, to, to learn from this letter. And, and forgiveness, in my opinion, forgiveness is mandatory for saved people. It's not an option. We don't get to choose whether or not we're going to forgive somebody, With go back to the cross, go back to the day that we put our faith and our trust in Christ. For me, it was September 14th of 2008. And we need to remember how broken we were in that moment when we called out to Christ for salvation and realize that in that moment, uh, Christ forgave us for much more than what we need to forgive other people for. I heard a preacher say one time, if you knew everything that Jesus Christ forgave me for, you wouldn't let me preach to you. And if I knew everything he forgave you for, I wouldn't preach to you. (laughs) I think we need to keep in mind that we don't have the right to pull somebody's sin off the cross and use it as a weapon against them. One of the most harmful things we can do is say that we forgive somebody and then weaponize what they did to us down the road. If we forgive somebody, if it's truly forgiven, we move on from that thing and we grow. The most forgiving human I know is my wife. I know because she's been with me for 23 years. Uh, But the question I have is, who do you need to forgive today? And I'm going to wrap this thing up just with an illustration. But who do you need to forgive today? Who who is it that comes to your mind? And when you think of them, there's no joy. There's, There's a little bit of anger maybe, sadness, hurt. Corey ten Boom and her family resisted the Nazis by hiding Jews in their home. They were ultimately discovered and, and sent to a concentration camp, and Corey had uh, barely survived until the end of the war. Her family members died in captivity. And seared by this terrible trial, uh, Corey's faith in God survived as well. It wasn't just her, her physical body, but her faith in God survived. And she spent much of her time in the post-war years traveling Germany and elsewhere in Europe, sharing her story and sharing her faith in Christ. On one occasion in 1947, while speaking in uh, Munich, she noticed a balding man in the gray overcoat near the rear of the basement room. Uh, that she had been speaking on the subject of forgiveness, and she talked often of forgiveness. And, but, but her heart froze within her when she recognized that man. She could picture him as she had seen him so many times before in his blue Nazi uniform with the visored cap. She says he was the cruelest of guards at Ravensbrück camp where Corrie had suffered the most horrible indignities and where her own sister had died. Yet here he was at the end of her talk coming up the aisle toward her with his hand thrust out, and he says, Thank you for your fine message. How wonderful it is to know that all our sins are at the bottom of the sea. I could not imagine being Corey ten Boom in that moment. Yes, Corey had said that. She had spoken so easily of God's forgiveness. But here was a man whom she despised and condemned with every fiber of her being. She couldn't take his hand. She couldn't extend forgiveness to this Nazi oppressor. She realized that this man didn't remember her, and how could he when she was one prisoner among so many thousands? You mentioned Ravensbrook. the man continued. His hand still extended. I was a guard there. I'm ashamed to admit it, but it's true. Since then, I've come to know Jesus as my Lord and Savior. It has been hard for me to forgive myself for all the cruel things I did, but I know God has forgiven me. And please, if you would... I would like to hear from your lips too that God has forgiven me. And then Corey recorded her response in her book. She said, I stood there. I, whose sins had again and again been forgiven and could not forgive. It could not have been many seconds that he stood there, hand held out. But to me, it seemed hours as I wrestled with the most difficult thing I had ever had to do. For I had to do it. I knew that. It was as simple and as horrible as that. And still I stood there, with the coldness clutching my heart, and so woodenly, mechanically, I thrust my hand into the one stretched out to me, and as I did, an incredible thing took place. The current started in my shoulder. It raced down my arm and sprang into our joined hands, and then this healing warmth seemed to flood my whole being, bringing tears to my eyes. And her words are, are, are profound. I forgive you, brother, she cried, with all my heart. For a long moment, we grasped each other's hands, the former guard and the former prisoner. And her final statement in that account is, I had never known God's love so intensely as I did then. Folks, I don't think any of us have been through anything like that. To to go through the, 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 the concentration camps and to watch your family die and to suffer the abuses that she suffered, and then to speak on forgiveness only to have the, one of her Uh, one of the guards that punished her and did those things in the same room professing faith in Christ, I, I don't know that I would have been able to shake that hand. But it shows the power of forgiveness. And when she refers to him as brother and then stated that she had never known God's love so intensely as I did then, I think that reveals the power that's in forgiveness. So who is it that you need to forgive? What situation is it in your life that's tugging at your heart, that you know is holding you back in your walk with the Lord. I will beg you to forgive, forgive the person, the situation, the circumstances. Our walk with the Lord is far more important than any wrong that's been done to us. That's right. Pastor.